theology proper. Boy, that sounds intimidating. I mean, you better know what you're talking about. You better be proper talking about theology. And thanks for joining us today on Life Talks. <laughs> no, we are we are we're having this conversation on Theology 101. Yep. And uh, Ben started this in my absence. He was so excited about it, he couldn't wait till I got back. So he just <laughs> jumped into it, knowing no, that you know, you know this is what happens when Dan's gone. I've got to figure out. I mean, we we talk about this together. It's not like this is a, this is a two person team. And I had talked to my wife, and I was like, "Hey, you want to come in, and we could do like a twenty five years of marriage." And you got to understand something about my wife. She is the antithesis of me when it comes to microphones, public speaking. Like she's just like, no. <laughs> and I think, you don't pay me. Enough. I think she would do a phenomenal job at it, but she's just like, she has no desire to ever get in front of anybody hmm. and say anything. Hmm. Which you know, anyways. So I, I'm literally two hours before recording. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I thought, oh, this is something that kind of like I've been wanting to do for a long time. And um, so, yeah, I just yeah. The, the the irony of this conversation that in this series is that I am the seminary professor. Yes, but I've never been to seminary. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, you are the seminary graduate and far more of an expert on on um, you, uh, you systematic say expert. Yeah, because I hate you don't like that. it. Yeah, but you you know systematic theology better than I. Because I didn't take it. Everything yeah. I know about systematic theology has been through self-study, yeah. which obviously if you've got a doctorate, you know how yeah, to study, right? Yeah, yeah. But I do teach in a seminary, yeah. but I teach practical theology, oh, yes. which is how do you take systematic theology and, and make it, it work? Yeah. Right, right. So, so this will be interesting as we kind of go through this. Yeah. I missed, I, I, I missed bibliology, bibliology yeah. but I think I've got a pretty good grasp I mean, that one, so. do you believe in the Bible, Dan? Uh, yeah. Okay, well then you <laughs> so, passed. Well, I'm good. All you right. passed. Give me an A. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be talking about theology proper. And theology proper is important uh, because it what it talks about is the person of God. Right. It It is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. uh, how we know that they exist, mm -hmm. uh, their attributes, uh, the ones that are obvious and the yep. ones that are less obvious. Um, and how do the three parts of the Trinity mm -hmm. engage with and interact with each other? Um, it's part of overall theology, one-on-one systematic yep. theology. Yep. And so we're going to be talking about different facets. Now, again, this is the... Uh, the mick theology. The, wait, wait, the, I mean, we're the, flying the fast over. Version. I mean, there yeah. are so many deep books written on every single one of these things, and so we are giving you the what I what I would consider the 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 most basic fundamental knowledge that you should probably know about God when it comes to these kinds of things. Okay, so let's jump in with both feet. All right, we're going to talk about the knowability of God yes. at, from from the get go, so to speak. But the knowability of God is this part of <clears throat> theology proper that deals with the degree to which God can actually be known by yes. a creation. Yes, we have to accept our finiteness in this mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. and try to grasp a little bit of his infinity. Yes. And and our limitations versus his lack of limitations. Yes. So how can we, you know, one of the metaphysical questions is, how can we know anything at all? Right. Well, this right. takes it to a theological perspective. How can we know anything about God at all? Yeah. So to me, this comes, this is why we talked about bibliology first. One of the things about the word of God and about his revelation is that he... If we believe that the Word of God has um, is the is the inspired means God being God breathed um, 
and it's the revelation of God. That means that God has purposefully um, revealed who he is, that there's something, whatever is to know about God has been revealed because God wants that to be known. And so things like, you know, passage of scripture like Romans 119 or, or Matthew 1127, um, even 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2, it's this idea that Paul's talking about this. Um, it, it's not about the knowledge of, of you know, this earthly knowledge. There's a supernatural knowledge that's required to understand who God is. Mm-hmm. And so God has revealed himself in a way. So if he's, whatever he's revealed, that means to us that the, he has built a bridge to us to say, you can know me in this way. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, there's a part of the knowability of God that is limited because there are multiple times in scripture, Psalm 145, verse 3, Isaiah 55, verse 9, where we where the scripture very clearly says that the that the fullness of God is unsearchable. That the, the way God's thoughts and God's ways are as different from ours as far as the heavens are from the earth. So there's there's some part of God that we cannot comprehend, and there's some part of God that we cannot understand because he's God and we're not. Mm-hmm. So we have to hold both things in our hands that there are certain aspects of God we can't wrap our arms around. Um, even, some of the, even some of the ways, some of his character and nature that he does reveal to us, like you just brought up his eternity or his mm-hmm. in, infinity. Like, think about God never having a beginning, mm-hmm. right? And then there's smoke starts coming out of your ears. Yeah, because you get dizzy. You can't, we can't comprehend it because there's something that's bigger than our comprehension, and that's who God is. And so we know God is knowable because of his word, because he declares that he is knowable. We also know that, believe he's knowable through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so um, that's something we, whatever he's revealed, that's what we hold on to. The things that we don't know, the things that he hasn't revealed about himself, we know we can't handle. Yep. You know, again, I always, I lean into the practical. Yep. I lean into the the doubt yep. at times. And, you know, one one of the things I think we have to realize is that, that God is not going to let us know him fully. We mm. cannot know him exhaustively. Right. Um, I, I look at it, and if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm, I'm going to do a hand motion. But with one hand, I put it out, like, stay away from me. With the other hand, I'm saying, come closer to me, like yeah. a come hither yeah. movement. And I always feel like that's what God, God wants us to come closer to him. But he says, but you're not going to come any closer than this. He did this with Moses. He said, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you can you can see my glory, but you can't see my face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have to be that because so many cynics, so many skeptics about God always say, because I don't know him fully, I won't trust him at all. Yeah, It's kind of like the idea, um, you know, they view God as a genocidal maniac because mm. of what he did to the Canaanites, or they, they may they, they may view, I can't accept a God who is aware of the existence of evil, but doesn't stop evil now. Mm. Or, you know, or it becomes very personal to them. Um, I can't love a God that didn't spare my mother from a horrible cancer, a mm-hmm. death of cancer. Yeah. And so they become tied into a view of God that says, either I understand him fully or I won't accept him at all. And the danger of that is, is, is even if God were willing to reveal himself fully to us, we couldn't comprehend it because we're finite. Right, right. And, and, and that's something that's hard for us to accept, but it's important for us to accept, otherwise God isn't God. At some level, we have to, this is an act of, an act of humility is saying, I, I can't know it. You know what I can handle knowing, and you know mm-hmm. what I can't handle knowing. And so 
God, I'm going to trust you that, that you, that just like, for example, there are things that when your kids are younger, you're saying there's things that you're seeing and, and you're experiencing, but, but when you're older, I'll be able to explain it to you of why we're doing this. <laughs> and just like that in our, on this side of eternity, there's things that we don't fully comprehend. We see through the glass darkly. Right. Yeah, but so in, but eventually things will make more sense to us on the other side of yeah. eternity. And that's that's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. That's where scripture comes yeah. in. Because God gives us enough to know for us to know what we need to know yeah. without telling us more than we need to know. And that's why he said to us, without faith, it's impossible that's to right. please him. That's right. So we have to keep going back to the scripture. And the reality is, the more you look at scripture, the more you know about God, we could do that for the rest of our lives and still won't know what he has allowed us to know. Yes. So, all right. So the, the second aspect of theology proper in the person of God is the very existence yeah. of God. Uh, you know, if, if there... You know, the, there's a, a variety of philosoph, philosophical arguments and yep. questions that yep. come. Um, a lot of it centers around our sense of morality, yep. um, how we determine what is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. um, if there is no God, then there's no transcendent moral lawmaker. Right. Um, and, and so how can we have any morality at all in the absence of a moral lawmaker? Yeah. And if there is no moral lawmaker, that means there is no God or if there is no God. <laughs> yeah. So these, yeah. these things can screw you into the ground yes. eventually. I, I think that, you know, we have to remember the Bible is not concerned about proving God. If you think about it, it's never concerned about proving that God exists. It's it's never there's no apologetic book of the Bible and be like, okay, so when you meet a skeptic, this is what you do. Like they they don't do that. It's simply in the beginning, God. In the Bible never never thinks about not, you know, assuming God, because I think what it really believes is, I mean, it says the fool says in his heart there is no God, but I think it just, they just, just knows humanity that we were created to worship and we want to worship something and void of worshiping God. We will worship ourselves. We'll worship another person. We'll worship something, but just the very act of worship shows us we were, we were made to look to something greater than ourselves. And you mentioned, you know, there's four, there's four great philosophical arguments for God. You mentioned what the moral one, the moral argument for God. And, and, you know, if you want a great example of someone who does this, C.S. Lewis wrote, I think, one or two chapters in his um, uh, Mere Christianity book that's phenomenal on this. Uh, to me, I like the moral argument for God best out of all four of them. But yeah, th there's this moral argument for God. The second one is the, the teleological argument for God. And the teleological argument for God really is this idea, because we see design— and because we see order, there must be a designer and someone who's made this creation with order. Um, you know, Aquinas is, was a great person who who really kind of formulated this. Uh, the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Norman Geisler and Frank Turek, mm -hmm. he uses this teleological argument a lot in his in his book in this in that book, if you're looking for a good example of that. Um, and those are to me, those are the two best arguments for God. Now, there there are two other ones, and this is just personal preference. The, the other one is the cosmological argument for God, and that's Aquinas was another big proponent of that, and William Lane Craig was a proponent of that. Um, and, and again, the, the cosmological 
argument has really more to do, I should say more to order, the purpose, that there's a purpose to all things. And because we see there's a purpose, therefore- And to some extent, cause. Yeah, cause. Yeah, yeah the cause of, yeah, of things. If there's a big bang, there had to be a big banger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah. Who so lit the fuse at least? Who lit yeah. the fuse. So there's this cause and effect reality in, in the- So there has to be a first cause of everything. And again, I think that's a that's a legitimate argument. Um, but again, I, I put these in order. And then the last one is the ontological argument. The ontological argument is Anselm, who's an 11th century theologian, came up with that. And basically, he was this. He had this idea that because our minds can conceive of a ultimate deity, therefore the ultimate deity must exist. I, you know, again, some people poke holes in that argument. Uh, I know Immanuel Kant was kind of a you know someone who didn't really like that. But I think all four of them all give credence to this idea that philosophically, it may not prove anything. Okay, let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. It's not going to prove anything. But it, what it does do is it gives a very reasonable and logical conclusion that there is a God. Yeah. And it's not like you're checking your brain at the door. It's not like you're forsaking science or that you're you're ignorant. No, it, it, it's what it's saying is I can be a very reasonable, logical, intellectual scientific person and through this way of looking at these arguments i can come to the conclusion there's one ultimate deity in this earth now that we're, we haven't determined what kind of deity it is because that's that's where you break up into the three great theist, uh, theistic um religions but i at the end of the day dan for me what it comes down to this is it just comes down to faith always when it, when it comes down to the existence of god we can we can share the the moral argument, we can share the teleological argument, we can share the cosmological argument. But man, you and I both know we've been in those conversations with people. We, I mean, we give the greatest explanation of these things. And the other person across the table is like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and I, and I think that's where apologetics is a, is a good response, but it's not the final response yeah. Yeah. In, in that, you know, and there's, I, I spend a little time on Reddit. I'm a, Embarrassed to admit <gasps> How that. dare but, you? But I do so because I want to. It is. It is a total cesspool. <laughs> but I, I'm on there enough, and I I take breaks because it's toxic. It really <laughs> I is. Take breaks. No, seriously, it is toxic. <laughs> but I want to know how they think, and I'm I'm disturbed so many times that first of all, it's it's um, a lot of I call it a mind hive or a, a group think. Mm. It's cool to be the atheist. It's cool to be anti-religious, and and most of these excuse me morons on there haven't had a deep thought their entire life, mm. and 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 so but but because they want to be edgy and cool, they like to critique, and a lot of them are overreacting to religious systems that were of the mind but not of the heart, and 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 but but in the end, I most people when it comes right down to it, if you begin using these arguments are not atheists. No. They're, they're agnostic. Yeah. They're skeptics. They're cynical. Yeah. But if you ask the right questions in the right way, they have to admit everywhere you look, there is evidence. Yeah. I think I think most people realize even the the rise of the nuns in our culture, what I would say is there's still very few people that are hardcore atheists. Like, I don't believe that there is one God. And usually when they say atheist, it's really against the Christian God, right? Yeah, there's very little discussion about the others. <laughs> but but I think the far majority of people that would call themselves nuns today 
would fit in in a spectrum between agnostic and deist. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, like they either are like, there may be a God, I don't care, or there is a God, but it doesn't matter. And I think most people f- that, that are, whether it's anti-religion or, or not a part of any kind of religious system uh, or, or theological or faith system, really fall into that that larger grouping as opposed to the strong anti I know for sure most people don't really can really say that I mean I know that the yeah. really there was a rise of the new atheism 15 I probably years have ago. a little different view on that in that I also believe it's because Catholics and and evangelicals in particular Protestants as well but but um have so mishandled scripture that and and we've immunized an entire generation. We've given them just enough faith to reject it Explain, and to build I, up an immunity against. Tell it. me a little bit more about that. Well, Sires wrote in his book uh, "The Universe Next Door." Is I mean, this is not an original thought with with me as it relates to the immunization plausible, you know, plausibility. But what we do is. You, you know, we teach the facts, but we don't live them. Mm. Um, and we're hypocritical because yeah. by, by all nature, we're all idol-making factories and we are all hypocrites. Yeah. Anybody denies those two things, do not have a full grasp yeah. of, of so, their so depravity. So a, a church that has really good theology and very good doctrine, but yet the, the pastor did something very immoral and the church covers it up. Like yeah, th- and that it's very kind personal of, for a lot of people, yeah. particularly in the way they grew up yeah. or in what they were taught or the role models that they respected. Yeah. And and so we we ourselves ought to be disgusted with with how we have represented yeah, God and, and holiness and truth, um, but that's probably for another episode. But you know, and I I know we only have a couple minutes left, but so we're not going to get to the other two points. It's shocking. Oh bummer! But I do think you're you're making a very. This is where the practical comes in. That the existence of God, if you think that you're going to walk into a room and try to convince people because you're smarter than them, man, you got another thing coming. Like, uh, like I think it, you have to lead with compassion and, and care and love and, and understand that if, if someone is over here that has been hurt, um, it's going to take time for them to even be open to considering. But I do think there's a reality that the people that claim to speak for God and claim to represent God have done a lot of damage to the name, to, to the yeah, person and, and of God. I think there's damage on both sides. And, you know, God gave us two sides of a brain for a reason. And, and one is to think, the other is to feel. Mm. And and I think, you know, on one side, you know, when you apply theology to it, you've got sloppy agape. Mm. It's all about the feelings and we turn God into something he really is not. Um, both for both for the right and the left of, of yeah. how that can view. Um, and on, on the other side, we've got this cold orthodoxy mm. that is that turns God into a moral monster of sorts mm. that um, that has no feeling, no compassion, no love. So yeah. we deemphasize. So we overemphasize love, or we underemphasize love. Yeah. We overemphasize judgment and underemphasize. Judgment. So we have to be careful. We need to think with both lobes. And and I I, I think those conversations are not occurring the way we should. Yeah. Because of a lot of different reasons that are very complex and we're yeah. not going to get to yeah. in a minute and a half. But everything from the way we handle politics to how we handle money to our view of of, of so many, even sexuality and yeah. love, um, we have we have removed ourselves from the, from, from the attachment to truth, mm. but also from the attachment to the, char- the character and yeah. nature of yeah. God totally. at the same time. And it creates conflict and confusion yeah. and eventually resentment. Yep. And and that's that's tragic because yep. 
one of the things God left us here to do is to represent him, and we just do a crappy job. Yeah, so, totally. Anyway, that was my rant for the day. <laughs> I feel better. So, <laughs> in conclusion. And, 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 and now we're back to the actual topic, and we in, have In conclusion, we can say we can. God is knowable, mm-hmm. and God exists. Yes. But God is not exhaustively knowable. Correct. And it is required that we have faith, faith. when it comes to his existence. Yes. So those are two check, parts. Check those two points off for no, what you know. So are we going <laughs> to, next time we're going to talk about the attributes of yeah, God? Yeah, we'll talk about the attributes of God. Okay, so time. we'll look forward yeah, to that yeah. in the future. Hey, folks, th- these kind of conversations are important. And, and you need to know not only what you believe, but why you believe it. Uh, you need to be able to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Um, and every once in a while, we just need to think deeper, mm. deeper. So get off the video games, get off TikTok. <laughs> think about God today. It'll be Amen. good for you. Amen. As always, thanks for joining us at Life Talks. If you ever have any questions you would like to see us approach, you can always let us know by what is our Life Talks at LifeCharlotte.com. Thank you. Life Talks at Life. <laughs> I've been away for two weeks. Life Talks at LifeCharlotte.com. Share us on social media. Tell your friends about us. And until next time, thanks as always for joining us at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well. So leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.